Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. 1 Samuel chapter 4, 1 Samuel chapter 4. As you're turning to 1 Samuel chapter 4, let me say this. This coming Wednesday night, Wednesday the 4th, we have with us Brother Matt Linton. Some of you remember Brother Matt Linton, been with us a couple years in a row. He's a great singer, great songwriter, great musician. He's going to be in concert here on Wednesday. I will be teaching Bible study. We will have regular Bible study service. We're going to let him open up, let him start, sing some songs, worship, but we will be having regular church. I will be teaching on Wednesday night, but I want you to be here. Brother Matt Linton is a great singer, great songwriter. You don't want to miss it. He, he, every time he comes to Truth Chapel, he, he brings something really great, and we're always excited to have him. And so he'll be here this coming Wednesday night on the 4th, Brother Matt Linton, and uh, we're going to have a great time. I look forward to it. It's going to be exciting. It'll be a little bit different service, but I will be bringing the word of the Lord uh, this coming Wednesday night. And the church said, amen. First Samuel chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. When you have it, just shout, I got it. I got it. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched against Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched against Aphek. And the Philistines themselves in array against Israel, they put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. That's a lot of people. And the people were coming to the camp, and the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, and when that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel said, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of Hebrews? And they understood that the Ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid for they said, God is coming to the camp. Mm, Hallelujah. And they said, woe is us. For there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit, ye like, quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been unto you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought. And Israel was smitten. They fled every man into his tent. And there was a great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were slain. Now, just stay where you're at. I'm going to jump you forward 21 years. If you're flipping your Bible, just a few pages. I'm going to jump you forward 21 years to 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 1. And again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people, and they were with him from Baal of Judah to bring 
up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and psalteries and timbrels and cornets and cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God to hold it, for the ox shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Amen. This morning, if you'll allow me just a few moments, I'm going to preach to you on this subject. I want it back. I want it back. Let's pray together right now. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for what we feel in this house. And I pray today, God, that you would speak to our spirits. And I pray today that we would not only be hearers of the word, but that we'll be doers of the word also. And God, get me out of the way so that your word can be heard. And I pray it and speak it in the name that is above every name. And the church shout in Jesus' name. Come on, shout it again in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together and give God a shout of praise and you can be seated. I want to begin this message by saying something that I've said here quite often. And you may have been hearing me speak on it and saying this concept several times in the last few months. Uh, But it's just where I'm at right now. It's just where I'm at in my spirit, where I'm at uh, with the Lord. And I am just not satisfied with regular old, regular old church. Amen. If we're going to have just church, then count me out. Amen. And I, and I love the church. Listen, I love the church of God. I, when God comes back, he is not coming back for the world. Not, he already came for the world. That's the first time. When he comes back the second time, the Bible tells us he's coming back for a church and a church triumphant. And I'm glad to be in the church today. Somebody shout yes. I'm glad to be in the house of God. I'm glad to be in the church. I'm glad to be in the kingdom. And I mean more than these four walls in this little room. But I'm glad to be in the kingdom of God. And I'm glad to be in the church of God. Because when he comes back, he's coming back for his church. But if all we are going to do is sing a few songs and slap hands and say, man, we had good church. Then I'm not interested in that. But if we're talking about having a move of God and God touching hearts and minds and there being unexplainable miracles and signs and wonders and the glory of God being in the room, then count me in. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to preach good today. You you don't got to wait. I'm going to tell you up front. I'm going to preach good, but I need you to help me good, okay? All right. There we go. Thank you so much. Help, help, Help the preacher out. For all the preachers in the room, help the preacher. There we go. Thank you so much. Um, I'm not interested in a social club church. I want this church to be a great beacon of hope for this community. But, but, but not because we're cool and not because it's a good place to come. But I want people to know that there is a church down there in Loganville, Georgia, where the power of God is accepted and the Holy Ghost moves and lives are changed and lives are touched. 
and people are put back together and hearts are mended and chains are broken and addictions are broken and bondage is broken and people are set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Anybody interested in that kind of church this morning? Anybody interested in having a move of God every service? That we don't come into the place just to be here. But God is freely allowed to move anytime he wants to move. Anytime God wants to, to mess this plan up, God mess it up. Anytime you're ready to mess this schedule up, God mess it up. Anytime you're ready to take over this message, God, take over this message. Because I came with one thing in mind. I want to feel the presence of God. I want it back. I want it back. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was represented by a thing. It was. The presence of God was represented by a symbol. And, and, and that symbol was the Ark of the Covenant. Most people only saw it while it was traveling from place to place. And the, only the priests could approach it in that holy place behind the veil. It was not accessible. You couldn't just access uh, the, the presence of God. It, it wasn't like it is today. There was, the, the veil has been torn. Thank God that the veil was torn. On Calvary's hill, God opened his presence up for whomsoever will. No matter if you're Jew or Gentile, whomsoever will. Black, white, tall, short, fat, skinny. Whosoever will. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated. Whosoever will can come. And experience the presence of God. But there was a time when it was only set aside for the priest. And it was behind the veil and it was inaccessible. Nobody could touch it. It was just a symbol. It was the box. Inside that box we have the pot of manna. Inside that box we had Aaron's rod that budded. And inside that box the, the two tablets of stone where the Ten Commandments was written by the hand of Moses. God wrote the first ones and Moses broke them. And so God said, you're going to have to write the second one yourself. Amen. 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 Those tablets are in that ark. The pot of manna, God's provision, and God's authority, that rod of Aaron that budded. But it represented so much more. It represented God's power, represented God's presence, represented God's voice to the people. This is where the priest would go in, and God would speak to the priest, and he would sprinkle uh, blood upon that altar and God would push back the sins of the people it was the mercy seat of God and God would push back the sins of the people for one more year the power the presence of God was in that place with the ark of the covenant and it was their go to item when they were in trouble they would say bring out the ark when they were uh, fearful they would say bring out the ark and when they would see that symbol it would just excite them if the ark was there we're going to win and so in 1 Samuel chapter 4 that's what should have happened here. In 1 Samuel chapter 4 is an interesting story because the Bible says the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel and they lost the first battle. 4,000 men died in one day of battle. That's, that's a lot. We, we hardly lost 4,000 men in Operation Iraqi Freedom. I mean, think about that. That was a war that went on for years and we, we hardly lost 4,000 men. They lost 4,000 men in one day. So, Instead of just going home and quitting, they said, you know what? Let's go get the ark of God. I mean, that's what we do, right? Well, let's go get it. And so they went and got that ark, and they brought it out. And the Bible says that when the ark came in the camp, that the people lost their minds. They started shouting. The Bible says they shouted so loud that the earth rang. 
They made the earth ring. I mean, that's loud. That the earth felt the shout. And the Philistines felt it under their feet. And they said, my God, what, why are they shouting? We just killed 4,000 of them. What do they have to shout about? And then they realize, oh no, the ark has come in the camp. And the Philistines said, God is in the camp. And they said, how, how can we fight this people? Th- that is the God that brought them out of Egypt. That is the God that, that smote Egypt with all them plagues. That is the God that brought them this far. How can we defeat them if God is for them? The enemy's way more convinced than we are. I'll say that again. The enemy's always been way more convinced than we are. I'll let that be right there. The Bible says that they encouraged themselves. The Philistines said, you know what? We're not going to quit like men. We're going to fight. And they encouraged themselves and they fought. And when they fought, they won. That's right. They won again. They defeated Israel again with Israel having the ark in the camp. This time, they killed 30,000 men. 30,000. We lost just over 50,000 men in Vietnam. And that was a, a war that took about eight years to fight. Think about that. They lost 30,000 men in one battle. But that's not really the horrible part of the story. The Bible says that in that battle, they lost the ark. The ark was taken from them. The ark that should have helped them. The ark that should have, God should have done something miraculous. We brought the ark in the camp and God should have showed up and showed off. But they lost it. And the Bible says that Hophni and Phinehas were slain. What is wrong with this picture? Why did God not do what God had promised he would do? Why is it that they brought the Ark of the Covenant in, this symbol of God's power, this symbol of God's presence, this symbol of God's sovereignty? Why didn't it work like it worked before? Hallelujah. There's something in this story that we must see because you have to understand who Hophni and Phinehas were. Hophni and Phinehas were evil priests. The Bible says that they ate the fat of the sacrifice. God said, that's mine, but they took it for themselves. They slept with women in the tabernacle. They ruined the sacrifice, and they messed up the presence of God because the presence of God is not tied to an item. Let me say it again. The presence of God is not tied to an object. The presence of God is more than a box. The presence of God is more than a thing. The presence of God is more than just a building. The presence of God is more than this box that we sit in here today. This is just a symbol. But I want more than the symbol. I want the... I want more than just the box. I want the God of the symbol. I want the God of the box. I'm not satisfied with the relationship with the building, but I want a relationship with the God of the building. 
Oh, hallelujah. Hophni and Phinehas had ruined God's presence and ruined God's power. And an unsuspecting Israel thought it was going to work, but it didn't work because God is bigger than the box. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I come to preach to somebody today. If all we do is come in this building and just put a symbolism of God's presence and sing about the symbolism of God's power, but we never tap into God's presence and we never tap into God's power and we never have true revival, then what are we doing? What are we? This is a club. This is a social meeting. This is just an event center. But if we say, God, we want a demonstration of your power, we want a demonstration of your presence, we want more than the box, we want the God of the box. I promise you lives will be changed and hearts will be mended and we'll see miracles and addictions will be broken and depression will be released. And when sinners walk through that door, they'll say, my God, what do I feel? This is more than a church. This is more than kindness, but it is a demonstration of God's power. I don't know about you today, but I want it back. I want that power back. I want that authority back. I want the demonstration back. God, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. I'm desperate for the presence of God. More than a box. More than just a building. More than just a thing. But I want your presence. I want your presence. This Bible don't do me no good. It's just words on a piece of paper. But God's presence is powerful. That cross hanging around your neck is just a symbol. But it's not the God that died on that cross. It's just a symbol. Where is the God of Elijah? I want it back. I want it back. 21 years later. 21 years later. Three sets of seven. 21 years later. David says. I want it back. I want it back. For 21 years, the temple was still in effect. That temple was still there. That tent of meeting was still in Jerusalem. That those badger skins, Solomon had not yet built the temple. So this is a tent of meeting. That tent of meeting was still there. It was still silver sockets and badger skins. There was still the labor of water. There was still the brazen altar. The table of showbread was all set up. It was all nice and pretty, but there was no presence behind the veil. It was just church with no God. It was just religion with no God. It was just pomp and circumstance with no God. The priest still wore the Urim and the Thurim. The, the priest still wore the hat. The priest still wore the seat seats. The priest still had everything just like it was supposed to be. They were still going in and going out and providing all of the ordinances of the tabernacle. But there was no presence of God in the tabernacle. It was just show. It was just pomp and circumstance. They were just going through the motions and there was no God behind the veil. I am not satisfied going through the motions with no God behind the veil. I'm not satisfied satisfied with the pomp and the circumstance but I want you in this house God I need you in this house God I want you in this my preaching can't save you this singing can't save you but if we can get God down into this building somehow and we can say God we want your power we want your presence we want your authority God will move in a way that we cannot explain or understand somebody shout yes if you want it shout yes David said, I'm not happy. 
David said, I refuse. I want it back. So he went to get it. 30,000 men died the day it was lost. So David takes 30,000 with him. It took 30,000 to lose it. It's going to take 30,000 to get it back. Why would you take 30,000, David? Why would you take 30,000 men to go get the Ark of the Covenant? Because the enemy has it. No, they don't. The enemy does not have the Ark. This is so important because we, we think of this story in a certain way. we got a Sunday school mindset. But listen to this. If you do your math, the Philistines only had the ark for seven months. Seven months. They had it for seven months. They couldn't keep it. They kept putting it in their temple, and they would come back in the morning, and their God would be laying on the floor. And they'd set him up in the corner, and they, they, they'd run some screws into the studs and try to make sure he's going to stay there, and they left. And they'd come out the next morning, and their God, Doag, would be laid on the floor. <laughs> Because it might be a symbol, but my symbol is better than your symbol. It might just be a box, but my box is better than your box. It could not stand in the presence and power of God. You got to remember that this box at the time represented God's presence and power. It was a representation. It was powerful. And they could not keep it. And so after all the turmoil and all the pain, the Philistines said, we're going to give it back. They gave it back. Read the Bible. They only had it for seven months. And they gave it back. And somehow it wound up in Abinadab's house. And here comes David with 30,000 men to get a box that's not protected. I'll tell you, the Lord showed me this in the scripture. I didn't hear nobody preach this. The Lord showed me this. The Ark of the Covenant was only under knife for seven months. And for 20 years, it was free to go get. But nobody would go get it. Did you hear what I said? For seven months, the enemy had God's presence. But for 20 years, it was just sitting in somebody's house and anybody could have went and got it. But it was... Too much. It was, uh, you know, it could just stay there for all we care. You know, we know, we know God somewhere, but we're okay with not having Him right here. We just know He's somewhere. I'm tired of hearing about revival over there. I'm tired of hearing about God doing something over there. I rejoice with you, and then I say, Lord, what about here? For 20 years, God's presence was sitting in a room waiting for somebody to come get him. There was no enemy. There was no lock. There was no key. There was no chains. There was no guard. It was just sitting there for 20 years waiting for somebody to come get it. God told me this morning when I was reading this scripture, it just came to me out of nowhere. God said, there is no reason for you not to have my presence. It is not in a box. It is not under lock and key. I give it to you freely. All I need is somebody to say, I want it back.
We don't need to have no prayer warrior meeting. All we got to do is say, Lord, we want it. And God said, you can come get it whenever you want it. You just come get it. It is for you. The enemy can't hold it. The devil can't keep it. The enemy can't keep it. It's ours. Oh, my God. The devil tried to take it from you, but he couldn't hold on to it. He can't hold on to the glory. He can't hold on to the anointing. God will always set it free. We don't have to pray no devils out of the way. We got to pray our flesh out of the way. My God. Saul, Saul could have went and got that box anytime he wanted to. But he enjoyed his throne. He enjoyed the crown. He loved it so much that when they started singing songs about David, he wanted to kill him because he was a narcissist. And he loved himself more than he loved God. You read it in your Bible. The Bible said, go get me a man that can play who's cunning. Because Saul didn't want to be better. He wanted to feel better. And we keep coming to church hoping that we feel better. But I'm not preaching you into a feel better moment right now. I'm preaching you into a be better. I don't want to just feel better. Listen. Listen to me. I'm the musician up here. So, so I can say this. All this music does is make you feel good. And if you want to feel better, you can leave now. But if you want to be better, it's got to be more than a song. It's got to be more than music. David played and he felt better. But the devil never left him. But I say there's got to be a word. There's got to be a word. Because I don't want to just feel better. I want to be better. Where is the presence of God at? Where is the authority of God at? Where is the power? I didn't come here today just to feel better. I came here today because I want to be better. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better preacher. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. God make me better. Saul could have went and got it any time he wanted to. But he, Saul didn't want to be better. He wanted to feel better. So he left it. It was at Abinadab's house. Just chilling. Uzzah and Ahio serving in the place of where Hophni and Phinehas would have served. Doing a great job, by the way. Uzzah and Ahio just standing there with the presence of God. Just sitting in their backyard. <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant, chilling in the back room. No guard, no lock, no key, no safe. No Philistines anywhere to be found. Anybody could have walked in and took it. It just blows my mind. It blows my mind, Ricky Gay. It blows my mind that it was just sitting there. 20 years, they only had it for 7 months 20 years, they just couldn't win and got it But nobody went and got it Until David said, I want it back And so David goes He takes 30,000 men to get a box That ain't even under lock and key He goes and gets it And listen, we, 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 sometimes You know, we, we talk about David Because David put it on a, on a cart but, but David didn't know David was raised his whole life without the ark David didn't know what, how it needed to be handled He'd never seen it handled at that time, there wasn't a child in Israel that had ever laid eyes on the box. It stayed behind the veil. The only time they seen it 
was 20 years ago when they marched it into the camp and they all shouted that God's going to do something now that this box is here and God didn't. David doesn't know how to handle it, so he does, I mean, it's a heavy box. Let's put it on a cart. The only way your children are going to feel what you felt is if you put them in a position to feel it. Let me say it again. There are some people sitting in this room, you know you've been, you've been in the presence of God and you know what it feels like. But the only way your sons and your daughters are ever going to know that is if you put them in a place that they can feel it. Send them. Send them to youth camp. Send them to the conference. Send them. Spend the money. Get them in the place. Our kids aren't spiritual because we're not spiritual. The next person that says to me, these kids today, I might just slap them. It's not these kids, it's these parents today. Do you pray with your children? Have they heard you pray? Is church optional for them? I want my kids to know what the ark looks like. I want them to know, oh, this is what the presence of God feels like. And if it makes them uncomfortable, by God, just be uncomfortable, baby. Because pretty soon it's going to get down in their spirit. And they're not going to be able to take it. They're going to say, you know what? I want this. I need this. Daddy, I want to go to the car. I want to go to church. Because I need to feel God. Like I want my kids to know how to handle God's presence. David didn't know. Nobody showed him. He put it on a cart. They carried the cart. And everything was fine until they reached the threshing floor. Everything in your life is going to be fine until you reach the threshing floor. The threshing floor will show you what's wrong in your life. The threshing floor is where the wheat is separated from the chaff. The, the threshing floor is where the truth comes out. The threshing floor is where the fruit is separated from the vine. And when those oxen got on that threshing floor, the, the imbalance showed up. You don't know if you're balanced or not until you get into some turmoil in your life. But there is a threshing floor coming in your world, I promise you. It may be smooth sailing right now, but there will come a time when you will go across the threshing floor. And if there's any imbalance, it will shift. And Uzzah put his hand out to stop it, and God killed him. Don't you touch my glory. Have you lost your mind? I don't care if you were raised with this thing, it's still important. We don't play church around here. It's still powerful, still important. And God struck Uzzah down. And, and, and David, David, the Bible says that David was afraid. He was, he was displeased and he was afraid that God was angry. And so instead of bringing it all the way home, he left it at Obed-Edom's house. He just left it there. Left it at Obed-Edom's house because he was afraid to bring it home. Because David was thinking God's mad at us. God's angry at us. And he's, I don't want to be anywhere near the, because God's angry with us. And so he separated himself from God's presence because he thought God was angry. Can I tell some people here today, God is not mad at you. Some of, some of us struggle to feel God's presence because of sin in our life. And we think that God's mad at us so we can't feel God because God's mad at us because what we did. But God's not petty like you are. 
His mercy endureth forever. His grace is sufficient. For three months, for three months, it stayed in Obed-Edom's house. And somebody came and told David. They said, David, have you heard? David said, what are you here? He said, Obed-Edom's house is blessed. His children are blessed. Matter of fact, listen, David, his neighbors are blessed. I mean, if you lived in the neighborhood, you was getting blessed. Ah, God. The, the, the presence of God is powerful. It'll bleed over to your family, to your children, to your neighbors. And when David heard that Obed-Edom was blessed, the Bible says that he got happy. His heart rejoiced. And he said, let's go get it. Because God's not mad. And God's not angry. We just didn't do it right the first time. If there's a reason God's presence isn't in this room today, it ain't God. It's us. And God, whatever I got to do to get it back, I want it back. And so David went and he said, you know what? We're not going to use the cart this time. We're going to put it on the shoulders of the people. Because the Bible says they carried it. The Bible says, and them that carried it every six steps. Five, six. Every six steps, they made a sacrifice. And the Bible says they worshiped and they praised God. Because I want to preach for this five more minutes and I'm going to be done. I'm, I'm closing this thing up. But I come to tell somebody right now, the glory of God can only come in on the people. You're not, you're not hearing me. The only way God's glory gets in this room is if there are people that are willing to carry it into this room. Can I preach over this a few more minutes? The glory of God ain't coming in here because we got nice lights. The glory of God ain't coming in here because we got a nice social media program. The glory of God ain't coming in here because we got some cool music. The glory of God ain't coming in here because we got a nice website. There ain't nothing that can get God's glory in, in here like people that'll say, God, I'm going to carry your glory. I'm going to carry it into the house of God. I'm not waiting for the preacher to bring it to me. I'm going to bring it to the preacher. I'm not waiting for the preacher to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm not waiting for the preacher to fast. I'm going to fast. I'm not waiting for the preacher to bring revival. I'm coming with revival in my pocket. I'm... Glory always comes in on the shoulders of people. I don't care how good your show is. I don't care how many smoke machines you got. I don't care how nice your facility is. If you don't got people that'll get in the throne room of God and fast and pray and push, the glory ain't coming in. It only comes in on the shoulders of burdened people that say, I want to see God move. We cannot bring it in on a cart. We can't bring it in on a cart. We can't bring it in the car. I got to carry it. You got to carry it. I got to carry it. I can't get up here every Sunday and preach to you an anointed word of God if I haven't carried the glory throughout the week. This ain't, I can't fake it till I make it, baby. This ain't that kind of game playing. But there's got to be somebody who's willing to get under the weight of the glory of God. 
and say, I'll carry it. I'll carry it because I want to see God move. I want him to move in my family. I want him to move in my ministry. I want him to move in my marriage. I want God to move. So I'm going to carry the glory. And it's heavy and it's weighty, but it's worth it. It's worth it because I'm bringing it back. 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 God's waiting for a church that'll go get it. God's waiting for a people that'll go get it. Go get it. Go get, I can't get it for you. Go get it. Go, go get it. God, I want it. I desire it. I'm going to go get it. You know why conferences are so powerful? I was at a conference a couple weeks ago, Winter Fire, in Hartford, Connecticut. 2,000 people. On the first song. On the first song. It was like somebody had just put electric probes in every chair. And people were just going from the first song. Bam! You know why? Because everybody in that room, everybody, they've driven from home and from, they all came with an expectation of something happened. And that expectation, listen, the building we were in, it wasn't even a, an apostolic building, didn't, be, didn't even believe what we believe. It was just an event center. So whatever happened in that room didn't generate in that room. There was nothing, there ain't no pedal up here, guys. There's no abracadabra could do. There's some abracadabra could don't. There's no abracadabra could do. What happened is all 2,000 of those people brought something with them from their house. On the way to the conference, they were praying in the car. God, speak to our hearts. Get, get us ready, little God. And so they showed up at the conference. And it was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. No, it's not. This is a conference. We're all in one mind and one accord. And we come on Sunday mornings, and we want the preacher to entertain us, the music to entertain us. We don't, every, every week, I say, come with expectation. Because if I could just get 50 or 60 of y'all to say, my God, something's happening today. Something's happening. I can't wait. I, then I, we won't have to pump you and prime you and get you going and... But from the first song, somebody says, Woo, I, I feel it. There it is. I'm, I'm dying. I, I, I got to have it. I... We got to get to a place where we're not satisfied with ordinary church. I saw the videos from Friday night, Pastor John. Yeah. 900 kids losing their mind, going crazy from the first moment. It's like, man, this. This church is, is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Because they all came with a, a, one thought in mind. We're coming out. It's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait to hear Brother Tuttle preach. It's going to be good. And so you can't help but just, it can't help but happen. Nothing in that building generated that power. There was no switch that Pastor Wyvin went to the back and said, okay, three, two, one, glory. I wish. No switch, no pedals, no seances, no magic juice. 
is when people come in the room and they've carried the glory through the week. And six represents flesh. One, two, three, four, five, six. We're stopping and we're sacrificing. And what we're saying is, God, on the way to bring it back, I'm killing the flesh. You know why they lost the ark in the first place? It's because Hophni and Phinehas were living in the flesh. And the priest that should have had it all together were living in the flesh. God said, I'll take it from you. And whenever you want it back, it's free. I'll give it right back to you. No, nobody's holding it hostage. They can't hold it hostage. But when David went to get it the last time, he said, we're going to carry it. And every six steps, we're going to kill something. And they did that all the way into Jerusalem. And David danced before the Lord. He danced so hard, he danced off his priestly garments and his kingly robe. And he was just in his linen ephod. And he said, God, in your presence, I'm just a man. No matter what my crown says, in your presence, I'm just a man. No matter what my throne says, in your presence, I'm just a man. No crown, no robe, no kingly attire, I'm just a man. I want to get into a presence of God where it strips me of all my pride and circumstance and pomp and narcissism and says, no, I'm here for the Lord today. Or oh, there's anybody in this room that's as desperate as I am to see God move. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.